Hey there, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today on a very, very, very special edition of Todd Versations. He's back for round two. Back for round two. Cooking in the house is what I'm going to say right now. So for everybody knows, we're celebrating, boom, episode number 100. Why? Because Brian Cooker was episode number one way back when, over just a touch over a year ago. And here we are, right. episode 100. I brought him back because of popular demand. I mean, TMZ, everybody's calling him after this. It's craziness. He's a part of the celebration of our 100th episode. He wouldn't be here without him leading us up and lifting us up and being a part of it. So please, everybody, give it up for the CEO and president of Clavo Growers, our friend, number one, number 100, Brian Cooker. Welcome, my brother. Hey, Todd. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you asking me back. And, and thanks so much. And congratulations to you. Um, this has been a, a tremendous platform for the industry. Tremendous opportunity for for. Uh, not only the people who, who can present, but also those that, that listen in. And I know you're, you're getting 100,000 plus clicks on this thing at 10, 12 days after it goes out of there. So it's just really a testament to you and the content that you've been able to bring. So congratulations to you on oh, your you. 100th episode. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, we have a lot of reach. We get a lot of people through all of our platforms and we have a really amazing opportunity to speak with people. And there's just countless of, you know, hundreds of thousands of of, uh, uh, of hours of content that we've thrown out. We're crazy. I mean, it's nuts. We're working so hard to get, you know, these minutes out there in front of people in the world to make it a better place and uplift messages. And so thank you again for coming and hanging out with us. We're going to have fun today talking about Calavo and what you're up to because Sounds you're a baller great. in this industry. You're a baller in this industry. People love you. Oh, come on. Oh, no, seriously. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, there's like this, there's this Brian epiphany out there that everybody thinks what a great individual you are. And I know you a little better now, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll get people set straight. No. <laughs> but before we get rolling, brother, tell everybody a little bit about your journey and what you're up to today and uh, how I roped you in to be number one and now number 100. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, you know, currently, uh, as you mentioned, president and CEO of Calava Growers, we're a 100, almost 100-year-old 100 uh, company that that has a pretty wide platform from from fresh avocados to prepared products, uh, guacamole, but also gut fruit, cut veg, uh, USDA type sandwiches and things of that nature. Uh, so it's a really a pretty diverse business, a uh, little over a billion dollars of annual revenue. Um, yeah. and, and we're publicly traded. And, and so that brings a unique aspect uh, for, a, for a produce company too. So um, I, my journey, it, it kind of has been diverse here in the produce industry. I started at Chiquita almost 18 years ago. I can't believe that now. Um, yeah. 18 years ago and kind of went through North America and Chiquita and Fresh Express a little bit and then was with Chiquita in Europe and then back to the U.S. and, and spent seven years with, with Castellini and, and a great experience in, in produce distribution, but also migrating that business to to a third-party logistics provider for the produce industry. And they're really doing great things. Uh, probably since I left, they started doing great things. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard. I, I got no comment to that. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but they're doing great things in the space and they offer a great value. And then I was able to, to, to take up the challenge here. And uh, it's it's been a really great experience. I started February 1st, so um, several there months into it. But the people have been so welcoming. Um, they work so hard and it's been a really great community. It's been a, it's been a great family uh, yeah. to come to. It really has. Yeah. I love that. Well, you talked about it earlier, you know, almost a hundred years old. I mean, Calavo, it's an iconic company, but Calavo itself is an iconic brand. The label came out in 1926. Right. Right. I mean, it's been around a long time. It's not, you know, it, it's not a yesterday. It, it is a generational brand that folks have been purchasing big and papayas early, got into avocados, other stuff. So tell me a little bit about what Calavo's turned into today. And I think one of the things I'll lean into, and I throw that question, I'm going to throw another one at you at the same time. Sure. You know, what does family of fresh mean in relationship sure. to what Calavo is today? Sure. So, so let's talk a little bit about what Calavo is today. Um, you know, in, in April, we reorganized into two business segments. One is, is our grown segment which includes all of our um, fresh bulk product, avocados, tomatoes, and papaya. Avocados being the preponderance of that, but our tomato business is relatively sizable, um, mostly yeah. green, uh, greenhouse grown, uh, but, but our tomato business is sizable and we have a papaya business, Hawaiian papayas that, that we manage uh, through, the, through the US as well. So that's our grown segment. 
Um, and we'll sell to retail. We sell to food service. We've got a really diverse customer base. So, uh, and, and again, when you're trading a commodity, you need a customer base that can, that can manage and take sizes, that can take quality grades, because we want to find a home for the entire field of product. We want to find a home for the entire harvest. So we've, we've set up a really world-class customer base, and, and I'm excited about that. Then we also have our prepared segment. And our prepared segment will go through um, anything from fresh-cut fruit that you find in, in clamshells to guacamole, to guacamole for food service. Um, it, it, it's comprised of the old Renaissance food group business that we rebranded again in, in, um, in the early part of, of April and the March, we launched our rebrand. And mm -hmm. so, you know, trying to bring everything under the Calavo brand name, uh, so that maybe it wasn't as confusing in the market. We wanted to bring sure. clarity to, to the market. So it's, it, you know, our business is really a multifaceted now, uh, produce platform where we we're obviously we're concentrated in avocados on on the in the grown segment, but we've got a really diverse offering that will go for retail food service, even convenience channel that we're really doing some some fun things with on the on the prepared side. So I'm excited that that we can play in all the segments of of the industry. We've got products for people. We we do a little bit of innovation with with our culinary team. So I'm excited about that. Uh, it's it's just a really cool business to be in. It's a cool brand, and it's cool to see its transformation over time. I mean, I can remember on the street when I was buying in L.A. back in the days of covered wagons and just block ice that, uh, you know, Calavo papayas were like the ones you wanted. Right. You know, that's yeah, the ones you, got, yeah, you You leaned into that one like, oh, yeah, that's, that's you know, always was a go-to a lot of ways when you were pulling POs. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you talked on a little bit, but I know it's something you guys specifically call out with the name. You call it, you know, your one company vision. And share a little bit of that because you are bringing in – culture some other directions now is as one we take renaissance yeah. in here and the growing yeah. side and, and all this stuff so it is a little bit of a balancing act to bring everybody together and go hey we've got a much bigger mission now that we're on than we had before so how are you dealing with that from that one company vision standpoint well i think that goes a little bit into the family of fresh as well um, yeah Todd, you know sure. we're, we're when we think about the family of fresh we think about it from a couple of perspectives customer grower um, employees and then communities. And, and right. really what we want to do is we want this to be a family atmosphere. We're not family owned, but we want it to be a family atmosphere, um, which means we communicate a lot, which means we're there to help each other, which means sometimes we argue. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but there is, there is a family approach to here. We're relatively casual. Um, so again, we, we try to get down, get our work done, work hard, focus on, on continuous improvement, but try to help each other uh, grow our businesses. And when I say help each other, I do mean the broader family. I mean, our customers, I mean, our growers, I mean, our employees. And so that means um, from an employee perspective, we're working hard on creating opportunities for them to, to be fulfilled at, at Calavo, to have a career path, to, to understand ideas and, and thoughts of, about where they could go from here. Um, with customers solving some of their biggest needs and, and approaching the market that way. And then with, obviously with growers who are a big part of our community, um, we want a great opportunity for them as well. We want them to understand that, that whether it's their avocados, that, that they're trusting us to, to maximize in terms of service and quality and price, or even on, on some of our raw product providers where, where we're going to be there for them when it's uh, maybe it's not such a great market as well as it's when a great market. And I think those are the things that, that we try to, to think about and preach when we talk about the family afresh. We're, we're here for family members. Yeah, you know, I love that. And that's really a fresh approach because, you know, a lot of times, sometimes businesses turn into dictatorships, right? Usually the dick isn't the guy in charge, right? But nonetheless, it, it's really, well, I mean, truthfully, come on, but it's really important to your point. And I think it's worth calling out that when you run a business like a family, you are going to have your arguments, you're going to have your disagreements, but at the end, it ultimately makes your company better because people are getting to express themselves. People are getting to have those opinions out there. People are growing, you know, people, you want people to grow, let them speak. Let their opinions either grow or let their right. let them understand their opinions. Like, hey, but yeah. here's a different version of that. Here's another way of thinking. I think it's incredibly powerful when you uplift everybody through the process. 
And that had to be transformational for you to walk into a culture that was kind of going down that trail, but now you've embraced it. And I know you as a family man of what you believe and where you are and what you think about the people that you surround yourself with. You know, you're, you're an uplifter. You're not, you know, you are not one that's going to keep people down. You want to see people grow. Um, that had to be refreshing for you to come into, I would imagine. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Abby Pryor, Chief Commercial Officer at Bright Farms. On behalf of all the Bright Farmers across our great country, thanks for listening to Toddversations and Toddbits. At Bright Farms, we care about the health of our planet and its people. Our mission is to give more people access to the freshest, tastiest, cleanest, and most responsibly grown salads available. We grow our salads by harnessing the power of the sun in our advanced greenhouses located close to your grocery stores. Our salads are delivered in as little as 24 hours after harvest, so every Bright Farm salad you buy is fresh, tasty, and sustainably grown. It's a big job looking out for the health of the people on the planet, but we're up for it. So give one of our Bright Farm salads a try today and become a part of our Bright Farms family. Thanks so much. I, I love the thought. And by the way, there was a lot of that that was in place well before I came. Yeah, right. No, that, right. That's the great part of it. There was a lot of that in place well before I came. But those are the atmospheres that I gra- gravitate towards. Um, yeah. You know, I love this concept of people providing feedback. You mentioned if you want to have, if you want someone to be uplifted, have transparency, allow them to express their ideas because two things can happen. One, I can explain actions. I can explain the whys, not just the what. I don't want to tell someone what to do. I want to explain the why, because I think we grow better. It gives them a chance to say, hey, Brian, have you thought about A, B, and C? And I can respond, I have, and here's what we're doing to mitigate it. We're doing X, Y, and Z, and then they learn, right? That's teaching moment. That's growing moments. That's those types of things. Or I say, holy shit, no, I didn't think about this. Let's, Let's rework. Let's figure this out, right? Either way it's a great answer for the company. And I think it's a really good answer for employees. So, you know, continuing to try to perpetuate that, that type of atmosphere is, is what we want our leaders to do. And, and I think the other, the other thing we try to do is highlight our family members. You know, when someone does something good, we've got to call them out. We've got to shout them out. We've got to celebrate. Now we can't celebrate too long because this is produce and in the next minute, something may go haywire, but celebrate, celebrate hard. Um, the moment's over. Now let's get back to work. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I mean, look, I think it's incredibly refreshing. And I think that you're seeing, you, know, you, you talk about what's going on in this world today. What is it uh, the, they call? It? It's not the Great Depression. It's the Great Resignation is what we're dealing with now, right? And so right. people have choices. The employee has a little more power than the employee probably had prior to you know the last five years, four years, three, however many years it's been. It all runs together now. I still think this is like the 900th day of March 2019 or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but nonetheless, nonetheless, you know, it, it's changing out there. And people, you know, I, I think it's just so incredibly important that people come into a place that they can latch on. They put their seatbelt on every day when they get in a chair. They go for the ride and they live the ride. They take the ups and downs, the circles, the whole nine yards. But that's inspiring to people. So I commend you for doing it. I think it's great. I think it's incredibly refreshing. Well, the good news is we've got a bunch of leaders here that that have done that before I got here. And so we're, we're trying to pick up pace and pick up momentum and, and yeah. spread the word. I love it. We know, I want to get into a couple of things that Calavo is doing, which I think are really powerful things that, that a lot of people may not know this about what you guys do. And that's a lot of your work around sustainability and some of the different projects you have. So I'd right. like to kind of talk about those for a little bit because I think they're really worthy. Um, you guys have committed some pretty lofty sustainability goals. I mean, you're investing over you know $4 million into waste, water, um, recycling issues, energy controls. Talk a little bit about why that matters so much to you guys. Well, again, when, when I think about the family of Fresh, it's the communities too. I mean, it's the communities that we sure. operate in. It's the communities that our, our employees and our employee family members live in. Um, and at the end of the day, there's a lot of discussion out uh, about there in terms of sustainability and what actions you take and, and, and what's right. And look, we just want to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, let, let's, let's get all the, I, you know, I'm not smart enough to keep up with all the definitions that go around. Right. So here's what I want to do. I just want to make sure we're doing the right thing. So if we go into a plant and we can recycle like, like in Sacramento our Sacramento facility where we can recycle more than 90% of 
the inbound materials. That's plastic, that's paper, that's raw product. More than 90% of that's being repurposed somewhere else after the conversion, either to a finished good or to something else, recycling center or another right. tertiary provider. Um, that Yes. Can someone says, well, that saves you money? Well, yeah, it does. But you know what else? It's right. It's right. Yeah. I think those are the ones... Those are the sustainability projects that that we love the most. The the idea about um, energy conservation or water recycling. Um, if if you spend a minute and a half in in California, water is an issue, and it's going to be an issue, right? So what are we doing? And and you know, there's a lot of processes in produce that that wash processes that take a lot of water. What are we doing to, to recycle that? Because it's good for our community and ultimately it'll be good for our farmers and those types of things. So I'm really excited that that Calavo's got a mission and a vision uh, associated with sustainability that's doing the right thing for the community, the environment, but also the business. And, and those can be locked together, right? Those are yeah. lockstep. They don't have to be at odds with each other. And uh, I, I love the fact that we can participate in some projects that do that. You know, we're looking at solar. We're looking at adding back to the energy grid, actually, which is really cool th thought when you yeah. think about it. Here we have a big facilities. We potentially um, could add back to the energy grid. What a fantastic thing for us to do for, for the community. Well, you know, it's amazing. We have these conversations about sustainability and things that we're doing. And then you think about, you know, our tenure, both of us, we've been around a while, right? And you think about, Umpteen years ago when nobody gave a shit, right? Just right. use, use and abuse, right? And now we're paying the price and we're having to make these changes. But when you get involved like you are, and I can see you fired up about fired up about making these contributions back, it's it's like, God, I, I wish we would have thought of this 40 years ago and kind of leaned into it because who knows where we'd be better off today, where we'd be. But I'm glad to see that you guys are doing it because it's we've got to keep doing it. Because if we don't make these hard choices and changes and start uplifting these conversations, you know our plan is going to continue to suffer, right? It, you know, where's it going to be like in 40 years, 30 years? I mean, it's really, it's a puzzling question when you think right. about the number of people that right. are coming and everything else. So to me, I commend you guys for doing, I'm fire. I mean, I can see the passion that you have for it. It comes out when you talk about it. It's awesome. Todd, let's tie that into the great resignation. The other yeah. thing that's really important is there are a lot of individuals, really talented individuals today that are making decisions, not so much on what the salary is and what the position is, but what the organization and what the organization culture and values are and do they fit in with their values? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think uh, it fits in a lot to, to our employees fulfillment. Um, I just shot a, a little video and we sent it out. We did a small little thing where we took a grade school through one of our avocado packing facilities here in California and it got them introduced to what avocados are and how do you, how do you get a job here? And what, I mean, these are third, fourth, fifth graders They're, they, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not asking them to apply tomorrow, but, but even them understanding, what does it mean to ripen? How do we get product from, from the field onto your dinner table? Um, we love those types of things. And, and I think Absolutely. those are things that, that when an employee uh, looks at Calavo, they can be proud that they're associated with an organization that's doing that. And by the way, you know, that, that doesn't have anything to do with me. That has everything to do with our, our team at the facilities and the plants. They were doing it. And I just happened to stumble across it and said, well, we got to tell people about this. Well, so, say, you're, you're eye candy too. Let's be honest. I'm the <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, maybe. Put, put well, the blinders on, maybe. <laughs> I love it. No, but you're absolutely right, man. I mean, culture matters a lot. You know, it's about, there's a lot to do with the whys and the what's these days that we never thought about before when right. employees look at stuff. And, you know, I've, I've seen it. I've got people that have done it. I've got people that have left organizations because it's not a cultural great fit, love what they're doing, hate the people they're around or don't like what it is and want to find something that's more meaningful. So it's important that these things stand out. And, and one of the areas too that you guys do, and I want to make sure we touch on this because I am a big believer in this and, uh, you know, when it comes to consumption, different stuff like that. But, you know, you guys are doing some, some really cool stuff where you're partnering with the retailers and trying to eliminate food waste specifically. And you're working in-house to address these issues. You've got a big benchmark out there that you're trying to, to live up to and to work towards. So how are you guys doing it and how's it going? And, and talk a little bit about how the retailers have embraced what you're trying to accomplish because they love it as well. You know, it's, it's a win for them as well to be in this conversation. 
Yeah, I think it's an everyday type of uh, type of issue that we work on. You know, it's it's kind of like safety. It's kind of like culture. You, you never it's like food safety. You never yeah. stop working on those types of things. So the, you know, the concept from from how do we make sure that we use the entire harvest of our product? Right. We we if we go to a grower and take we use everything. We, we've got the, the number ones that we can sell to retail and twos that we can sell to some retail and food service. But, but if there's threes or if there's scars or blemishes, we can put that right in the guacamole product and, and have that up. Um, it's about getting the right product at the right time. So we're reducing shrink. We, we've embraced some of the shelf life extension technology that, that you see in the industry where, where retailers want it and working with them to reduce shrink on the shelf. Um, I wish there was a little um, lever that you kind of went like a slot machine and say, are you going to have a lot of food waste or not? Oh, well, let's not, you know, and you right, yeah. down and, and all of a sudden you don't have food waste, but that's not it. Um, food waste, water conservation, energy conservation, carbon neutrality, culture. Um, those are hard things to work on, but you work on them every day and you try to yeah. drive the right answers for for the employees. And, and it's important to the retailers as well. They're, they're in communities that are suffering, that are food deserts or, or mm -hmm. food insecure. Um, they want to make sure that, that they're not wasting food either. So, you know, th th there's motivation from the entire chain, farmer all the way through to the, to the um, dinner table. I love it. You know, and you can, you can see it, right. And it leads me into my, to my next question or my, kind of my final question on the subject, you know, one of the things that you see a lot of is, and, and, and I do want to touch a little bit of the fact you guys got a carbon reduction roadmap too. I don't want to leave that off the table because that's impressive as well. But, you know, a lot of times when you think about business today in terms of sustainability and some of these initiatives, greenwashing is certainly something that comes out right away, right? It's just yeah, like, let's just right. say what we, let's just say what we need to say to make everybody happy, give them a cookie when they go to bed, pat on the head when they wake up, you know, this whole mantra that some of these companies walked and run towards as opposed to really, you know, putting it out on that shirt sleeve and live by it, knowing you like I do and hearing what you've just said, this is real. This is, this is beyond, this is a belief system. This is coming from you down, right? Top down. I, I can see you're fired up about it and it really does matter to you as a person as well. And so I just wanted to comment on that. I don't know. You can answer, you can say whatever the hell you want. I don't care. I guess I'm making a, more of a statement than a question. But it's impressive to, because to, you don't give that vibe. It, it's not a greenwashing vibe. And I'm not, you know, it, it's that, the positivity that comes out of it, it's, it's the culture that it brings, the people that it could bring to our table. You know, the, the, the fact that you talked about people that are wanting to find places like that and Calabo is a place for people to come that can be culturally sound, et cetera. So it really does matter to you personally. And I can see that. I just wanted to throw that on the table. Hey, look, uh, you know, one thing about greenwashing, I, I mean, yes, it does matter. The great news for me, it matters to a ton of people inside yeah. of Calabo. So I don't have to be the cheerleader. They're, they're pushing this, they're evaluating, they're trying to drive this, which is fantastic. But one of the tremendous, there's a lot of things about social media that I don't like, um, that I, and one of the reasons why I'm not on a lot of social media. But one of the things that the internet has brought, that social media has brought is incredible transparency. And I say that in terms of, it, of this idea about greenwashing. Transparency solves everything. Yeah. Transparency just says, look, I've got to be measured on what I do. It's not just what I say. And that's whether you're talking to an investor in the stock market, you're talking to customers, or you're, you're addressing your employees. I want to make sure that our say-do ratio is very, very high. Right. That, that if we say something, we're going to do it because it's so damn transparent, Todd, that if you're not, that if you're faking it, it's it's easy for people to figure out. And to me, that's refreshing. So you get to be genuine. You get to, mm -hmm. to talk about the, the things that are impacting your business, the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, in general, I'm an optimist, but but we also deal with some some not so great stuff. And we right. have to be transparent with our employees and our and our growers and our communities and our customers when when things are not going so great we have to have a plan but we need to be transparent i love it well said sir very well said very 100th episode you come in hot i love it i freaking ah, love we're it. running we're running i love it hey if we, we do this long enough we can stretch it to 101 
Doc, we can. I don't probably. Hey, I've done part, a couple. Part of one and part two, dude. I've done some that last a couple hours. Believe me, it's not hard. <laughs> you get talking, you get talking. That's what I said. It's like to me, it's like, oh shit, I'll talk all day about stuff like this because it's so important. You know, and another area too that I think is is meaningful for Calabo, and I know that that you know is is the give back factor of, of what Calabo is all about. I mean, giving back is a part of the company culture from top to bottom. I mean, you guys are working with food banks, you're working with farm workers issues, salad bars, boys and girls club. You've got an ag kid movement going on. You know, back to what we talked about earlier about yeah. opportunity for commitment and culture. I mean, what's that say about Calabo's commitments to those beliefs? Well, I, I think, again, it's back to this idea of transparency. We're, we're doing what we say we're doing. And, and the great news for me, and this is this is a great sense of pride, because, uh, you know, when, when I came into Calabo, I knew a few people just because of the industries. You know, I knew sure. some people that, that were in Calabo and I had a feel for either the culture or the atmosphere. But I didn't know. You don't know until you're in it. Um, th- this is this is groundswell movements. This isn't, hey, Brian came in and he said, you're going to do the Boys and Girls Club or you're going to worry about um, uh, food safety or you're going to worry about community involvement. They, this, is, this is momentum that they had and that was part of them, part of the DNA. And I think it gets back to this. There's just a tremendous sense of pride for the, our team to be involved in a genuine way at their core. So it's not like a job. It's not like a, uh, a task. It's part of what they consider their responsibility and, and part of their DNA. And it's really, it makes you really proud to be a part of that. And it's motivating. You, know, yeah. you come in and, and I'm talking about now me being motivated by colleagues and peers and, and, and my fellow Calabo family members. It's awesome to get involved in that. I love it. That's great, dude. I mean, again, it's just transparency all over the place, right? Which I think is so important to have. And it's just, you know, being transparent is another way of being accountable. And I think it's a good way. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And look, yeah, if you're it. a competitor and I mean that in a good way, we want to yeah. be, we want to compete. We want to compete and we want to win, but we want to be gracious winners and gracious losers. Right. Yeah. If you're a competitor, you want a scorecard, you want a scoreboard, right? I don't mind at all being held accountable. Calava employees don't mind at all being held account- accountable. We want to be held accountable because that's yeah. how you know whether you're winning or not. I love. Well, you have an expression. I want to ask you. This might actually sets up perfect for my next question. What does the What does the expression "be better today than yesterday, be better tomorrow than today" mean to you? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm intellectually challenged, so I've got to keep things pretty simple. Well right? said. I, I, would not say, I would not have <laughs> said it that way, but I'm glad you did. Um, so when you come into an area, and, and look, as, as much as I'm talking about the positives of Calavo, we also have a, some, some work that we need to do. We, you know, we're not generating some of the financial returns that, that we wanted. We had some gaps in in. Um, the organization that we're trying to fill, we've got our work to do. Uh, but, but it was a way for me to try to quantify for myself and others the size of this opportunity. You can come in to any business and go, holy crap, there is so much stuff I've got to work on. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, where to go. I don't know. That, and it's paralyzing. And so what I'm trying to do for myself and for the organization is just say, look, let's boil this down to a little bit. All right. Yes, we could try to to cure the world's ills. But let's just be better today than we were yesterday. Take anything. Be better at at efficiency. Be better at at quality. Be better at personal safety. Be better at at our accounting. Be better at our, our, our customer management. I don't care what it is be better today than you were yesterday. And if you do that 365 times, you're going to be really happy with your year. You know, I don't know what necessarily what that translates into goals and and we'll have goals that we have for each year, financial goals, social goals, and personal goals. I don't know what that translates, but it was a way for me to help break down the size of the challenge into manageable parts. The other thing it was, is it's a mindset of continuous improvement. So we got to be better today than we were yesterday. But hey, remember, we want to be better tomorrow than we are today too. So it's really those two things, trying to keep simple the, the idea that marginal incremental improvement is good, is good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, any step forward, any step forward that's not going backwards is good. It's right? exactly right. And, and yeah. again, it doesn't have to be, you know, if it's a, some big achievement, fantastic. Right. But even if it's a small achievement and you're better than the day before, we're moving in the right direction. And I well, think that's the message I've tried to communicate to our employees, tried to communicate to our investment community, tried to communicate with our, our customers. We're just trying to get better every single day. And, and it doesn't mean we can, uh, I love this phrase. One of the guys here at Calavo taught me this. It doesn't mean we can hit a 10 run home run. We can't. No. But we can string a lot of singles together. Yeah, there's nothing wrong you'll with that. Be right? Very successful doing that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's one run at a time. So I, you know, I think it's great. That's a great philosophy, and I, I love the way you've embraced it. And it speaks again back to that whole cultural position. I mean, it's what a great way to kind of wrap up the whole talk about internal culture and what it means and why it's so valuable. Well, hell, they're switch- probably sick of me saying it already. So well, just fire it. Just fire everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I want to talk a little bit because I can't, you know, you, you the, 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 the big brain that you have and the way that you look at the world, the way you look at this industry, I, I got to get, you know, I got to, I got to pimp some of that out of you a little bit and get talking about some of the issues that we're facing. And first sure. one I want to talk about is supply issues out there and, and what, you know, what people are saying, what you're saying, what you're healing, you know, hearing what you're feeling both inside and outside of the produce rank. Could you just touch a little bit from your perspective on how you're feeling about it? Yeah, I, I think supply issues are, are here for a while longer. I, I mean, I see them going into 2024. I really do. Now, I also see that associated more on the ocean supply chain. Um, I think the inland logistics supply chain is it has a little bit uh, faster opportunity to, to cure and get healthy. But I think this this concept of of an, a global supply chaining being out of whack is probably in place for for another eighteen months or so. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at at on time arrivals by port, uh, on average those were 73 percent prior to COVID. They've snuck back up to forty or forty two percent. So, I mean, we're still a long way away from, from pre-COVID levels. So right. I think that puts a, a little stress on. I think inflation feeds into that. You know, it's, it's supply chain. Supply chain inf- inflation is also a result of a lack of availability. So as the supply chain gets backed up and people want their product now, they're paying more. Well, that means they're just putting more pressure on the supply chain. So inflation has caused that. If you've tried to order a piece of equipment, in the last six months, and you used to think it was a 12-week lead time, and you go to order and you realize it's 24-week or more, um, you know the, the impact of that. But I think I think supply chain is going to stay here for a while. I think inflation is going to stay for a while. Um, yeah. we, we, have, we, we have the supply chain issues that are causing inflation. We've seen um, a lack of labor. Uh, we are back to unemployment. I think the last number I saw was 3.6 or something like that yeah. in the U.S. Um, back to unemployment. That is historically low. Um, if you talk to a Keynesian economist, they're probably thinking five to six percent is um, unemployment is full in, full employment for a for a society. We're at three and a half, three and a half. Right. Four. I mean, we're stretched from an employee standpoint. I think that's going to continues to cause inflation. Um, so, you know, our, our economy is tough. I think, uh, I'm, I'm actually, maybe this is a contrarian. I'm supportive of the the fed raising interest rates. Yes. We need to tighten the money supply a little bit, but they've got to raise interest rates. Otherwise we have no, no way to lower interest rates and spur the economy to further growth. So it's a little bit of a, of a defensive tactic too. Um, you know, so I, I think this is an environment that, that we're here to deal with for a while. And uh, it doesn't make it bad. You know, now, would I rather have a booming expansion or a recession? I'd rather have a booming expansion, right? You know, that our kids could make that decision. But um, dealing with the recession, setting up your organization to be lean, to be smarter, um, to be, uh, to take advantage of, of of the relationships and the environment that they have to try to add value in the supply chain and, and ultimately to our customers. That's a really cool leadership challenge too. And, For sure. uh, you know, we see our team fighting out every day to try to, to try to progress in this environment. And that it, it's, it's really cool to see them. 
I love, well, I'm going to drill down a little bit into the economy and kind of come full circle with it. But you, know, you talked a little bit about logistics and let's, let's put that one on the table first, because I think that's obviously something that everybody in our space and the produce space wakes up every day going, oh God, what, you know, what's, gonna, what's logistics going to be like today for us? So talk a little bit about it, if you wouldn't. And, and you know, you, again, you talk ocean logistics. I agree with you 100% on that. I don't think that's going to change. I think that's going to continue to be a problem, especially as uh, other countries go through lockdowns and other things that are happening. That's certainly going to continue to, to cause you know, issues with that. Um, but, you know, as it goes across the country here, when you're looking at transportation issues, I mean, you were a little bit more bullish on that as far as that riding itself a little bit. I mean, trucks are still not cheap and drivers are certainly getting a little more picky with what they, I don't, I think it's going to be a lot harder to find somebody who's going to make 11 pickups and two drops, right? So yeah, I, yeah, world, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the multi-picks, uh, that, that's really tough now. And, and again, I think inland logistics and our, in our trucking transportation, I mean, let's think about this before COVID, before COVID, we had a shortage of drivers, right? COVID didn't solve that, right? And made yeah. it worse. So we have a shortage right. of drivers. Before COVID, and this is not, uh, I'm not, this is not a political discussion when I make this comment, but before COVID, we had e-logs and hours of service limitations, which were great for safety. Again, this isn't a political comment, but the other yeah. aspect of that is they took driving capacity out of the system. Right. Right. So again, not a political comment, but a mathematical comment. So we have a shortage of drivers. We have hours of service over the course of the last five to, to 10 years that have taken driving capacity out of the system. And then we have COVID. So I, I think you're a hundred percent right, Todd, is that I would say trucking transportation, inland logistics is better than ocean, but it's not normal. It's not back right. to normal. It's not back yeah. to where pre-COVID levels are. And I think we're gonna see high prices. We're gonna see availability issues in certain pockets, um, but I see more availability in, in trucking than I do in ocean cargo. There's more right. availability. You might have to pay for that availability, and I think what we're trying to do, and, and um, this has been no secret, we've talked about it publicly, we're trying to make sure that we set up a network of carriers that we're committed to and they're committed to us. Yeah. And that means that means in the in, in when the market's a little lighter than our contract rate, we're still going to pay the contract rate. When it's a little heavier than the contract rate, they're going to honor the contract rate. But we're going to we're going to communicate to each other and and trust each other and be transparent enough that that it can work out for each other. And and uh, you know we we put a, a transportation program in place. March it was. It was the first in the in the 98 year history. It was the first nationwide transportation RFP as one collabo, one organization bringing them in. And we were able with a lot of incumbent carriers to reach better understanding of what each other needed and resulting in a, in a more trusting uh, transportation environment. And I, I think you'll see people continue to, to gravitate towards that is is. Um, we just, we need to be transparent. We need to be fair. There are challenges, but again, communication cures a lot, a lot For sure. of, of issues. If we yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I, it's well said. I'm glad to see you guys grabbing the bull by the horns to do that, because I think that it's important that everybody get to the table. I say it all the time. We're never going to solve anything if we don't all come to the table. I'm, I'm a big believer in buying pizza and beer and solving problems. Yeah. Right. right. And call it, and I'll do cauliflower crust to those that want it. I don't even care. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, it's like it's how we're going to solve problems is by getting everybody to the table to understand the problem. Because your problem that you have today has tentacles that is is be outside the walls of your company, right? It's your retailers, it's your truckers, it's your third party warehouse suppliers, it's their trucks, it's their drive. It's a big problem, and I'm glad to see that you guys are taking it from that proactive approach of like, hey, how do we all solve and win the day together? Because you're not yeah. going to win it by yourself when it yeah. comes to an issue, especially logistics. You know, yeah, what, so we're, we're attacking that. And I would still tell you every morning we wake up and say, all right, what logistics issue are we going to have? Oh, yeah, dude, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, in all fairness, we had that conversation 40 years ago, too. Yeah, that's right. 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 It that's just, right. that part doesn't stop. It's just, it's just gotten a lot more complicated now, right? That there, there, there's more, there's more squares on the board. And you're playing with bigger decks of cards and everything else. It's just a bigger problem. But one of the big things about economy that, that, that I keep trying to preach and talk about is that, a downturn in the economy will certainly start to affect things, right? It can affect food choices for people and consumption of fresh fruit and produce is no exception to this. 
So, you know, stats tell us that. You go back to last downturn, 2008, you take a look at what the numbers are. You know, I'm not making them up. Go look. They are what they yeah. are. The numbers were down, right? People make choices. They have to rationalize them. So how are you feeling about that? And how are you looking to tackle, you know, consumer consumption inside and kind of some of your go-to-market strategies at this point? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Abby Pryor, Chief Commercial Officer at Bright Farms. On behalf of all the Bright Farmers across our great country, thanks for listening to Todd Versations and Todd Bits. At Bright Farms, we care about the health of our planet and its people. Our mission is to give more people access to the freshest, tastiest, cleanest, and most responsibly grown salads available. We grow our salads by harnessing the power of the sun in our advanced greenhouses located close to your grocery stores. Our salads are delivered in as little as 24 hours after harvest, so every Bright Farm salad you buy is fresh, tasty, and sustainably grown. It's a big job looking out for the health of the people on the planet, but we're up for it. So give one of our Bright Farm salads a try today and become a part of our Bright Farms family. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's a great question. I I think there are certain pockets. I I mean, let's take avocados. Avocados are up probably 75% over what they were this time last year. Now that's that's a supply and demand issue, right? Uh, I, I mean, but they're up. And I think we're starting to see that upper limit where where someone says, boy, I don't at, at $2, $2.50, an avocado, I don't know that that this is a choice anymore. Um, we're going to see it in in some of the convenience items, uh, fresh cut strawberries and, and fresh cut pineapple and sandwiches, pre-made sandwiches and wraps and cheese trays. I think ultimately there's there's a a ceiling where it, it starts to impact demand more than um, we would like it to to see. I'm not sure we know what that ceiling is yet because mm-hmm. of, of three reasons. Three reasons. One, there's still a tailwind with in terms of eating healthy and mm-hmm. and a healthy lifestyle. And and again, I think people will make choices, choices between fresh and frozen or fresh and canned and and but but there's still this this tailwind associated with healthy eating. There is absolutely a tailwind associated with um, convenience items. In spite of all that's going down around, people have less time. So grab and go convenience items still has a tailwind that that is helping. And then lastly, I'd say, and, and this is probably different than five, seven, 10 years ago, um, the convenience channel and the 60,000 plus retail points that the convenience channel has, has over the last five to seven years has embraced fresh in a way that, that they hadn't before. Right. And so now all of a sudden you have the tailwind of additional distribution points, additional price points and, and consumers getting more exposure to or opportunities to buy fresh produce. So I think that the combination of those tailwinds have maybe reset the historical norms on where we see price and volume start to downturn. I don't know where that is. Boy, if right. I did, if I did, I wouldn't be on Todd Forsations. I'd be on a beach somewhere. Yeah. But you know what? Scratch that. I'd still be on Todd Versace. Thank you. Right. That hurt a little bit, but you got you redeemed. No, no, no. I recovered. Um, but the thing is, we'd both be on the beach doing this. That would be the exactly thing, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly right. right. But so I think there's some tailwinds that are helping the market, but I'm concerned about that. Yeah. You know, we we don't have a completely elastic environment. There are choices that consumers make and we need to keep on trying to do what we can to, to help these things be affordable at the shelf. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think we have a tendency sometimes too, when we have all these different brands and you know whoever's out there, we have a tendency to put more too much energy into just trying to get brand recognition as opposed to consumer consumption recognition, right? And I think that that was one of my big concerns. I keep trying to challenge everybody. It's like, you had this great run through COVID. Let's face it, produce did great through COVID, right? Right. There's a shining star through all the bullshit we leveled with, but that momentum will be taken from us if we don't continue to keep those uplifting conversations. To your point, health, um, health of your family, you know, all these other factors that are going to be, that are, I think, consumers leaned into that'll, I hope they don't forget some of that, um, as the economy starts to go a little bit further south, to your point, I think it's going to continue to go further south for a while. Um, 
So I hope that, you know, brands recognize that we've got to get out there and keep beating this consumption drum. But, you know, any avocado that you eat is good. Let's just stick with that. And we'll get to the, you know, the clavo part. I mean, it's so, I think it's just so important because I'd hate to see us lose 8% market share because we did, because all we cared about was just brand recognition, brand right. recognition, not right. speaking to the to the people that are shopping in a mannerism that's more connective to their heart, right? To me, I think that's something that I, I worry about and I keep trying to preach. Well, and we want to make sure that the value proposition doesn't get so out of whack that it makes it harder for people to to buy fresh. Yeah, for sure. And, for sure. and look, we already challenge. know there was a little bit of that anyway. Um, there was a little bit of, of value difference between fresh and, and shelf-stable produce products. So yeah. uh, we've got to make sure that doesn't get out of whack because people need to make choices. Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, I want to... And, and- I want to come back around because I, I do want to talk about the economy just on a grander scale because you're you're just brilliant to talk to about this. You have your crystal ball in front of you. I know you do. You don't travel without it. Um, exactly. Um, but globally, you know, it's an interesting time because, you know, our, our country's suffering from economic issues, but every country throughout COVID did like we did. We just all started printing money, right? So everybody's in the same boat in a lot of ways. Some economies are worse. You know, some probably are a little bit better off, but nonetheless, we're all we're all kind of screwed in the same, you know, we're all in the same boat with, you know, trying to bail out the water in different directions, right? So talk to me a little bit about your feeling globally about the economy and what you're thinking, you know, this whole planet's going to come back around to, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a couple of things that we have to remember. Economies are cyclical. Yeah. Right. I mean, a large part of, of our population doesn't realize that the U.S. went through a recession. Or doesn't remember oil prices in, and home mortgage prices in the 70s and early 80s, right? right. So, so there's a large part of our population that's never even been exposed to that. But economies are cyclical. And one of the reasons you get to an expansion is the tough part of going through a contraction. Um, now, it's awful easy for me to say that sitting on a screen, but it's painful. A contraction yeah. is painful. Um, I, I told you before, I'm an optimist. I'd like to think that these periods of, of contraction globally will force ingenuity, will force efficiency, will force innovation that prepares us for the next expansion. And, you know, as we look at, at our business and what I look at our leaders, and again, let's, let's tie it back to be better today than you were yesterday and, and better tomorrow yeah. than you are today. Continuous improvement has to be a part of, of, our, of our thought process. It has to be a part of our DNA. And sometimes yeah. it's little steps. I, I think this could be a boom for automation. Now, we've got to figure out how to pay for it. But, but automation in a time of contraction. And, you know, I, our, our team thinks sometimes automation, will you eliminate jobs? We're in no pay, shape to eliminate jobs. We've got holes and gaps. So I want to do automation to repurpose people. To, to holes and gaps that we have now. Um, so I think automation has a chance to, to really see increase. I love it. it. It feels like every second of the day, some new um, whiz kid is putting together a new app that does something really efficient. Ultimately, that's good. There's a lot of those that will fail, um, mm -hmm. but there's going to be some great uh, ingenious inventions that come out of that in ways that we do business um, so I, I think it's going to be tough for the global economy. We're going to have to fight through this the way that every other economic recession ultimately turns into an expansion. We're going to have to get inflation under control. We're going to have to, to drive efficiency and throughput in our, in our cultures and communities and ultimately end up reaching an, an equilibrium in efficiency and demand where demand can start expansion. You heard it here first, kids. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, that's why I asked the question. I love it. Great answer, dude. Very great answer. All right, let's wrap up our time a little bit real quick. Tell me what's next for Calavo. What's going on? What's what's a deep dark secret you can drop that you know you, you can't drop? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about our opportunities to grow. I, I am. I, I mean, we've spent a, a large part of the last year. Again, before I got here, they had some plans in place. We're continuing those plans, um, trying to get our basic foundational processes uh, set. I'm really excited about the progress that we're making. I mean, we've got labor productivity going on. We've got material costs and, and yield productivity going on. Um, we, we've 
as I mentioned, on transportation side, we've made that more efficient. I think we're in a spot now where we can grow, and I'd like to see us grow. I'd, I'd like to see us think internationally. I'd like to think, see us think even growing in the U.S. So getting a sales force uh, aligned, getting our targets aligned, expressing our value proposition in a way that, that uh, a customer appreciates, I think you see us focusing on that a, a lot of the next. We're in a great categories. We're in great categories. In spite of yeah. what we said about the economy, avocados are still growing. Yeah. Tomatoes are growing. Um, grab and go is growing. Convenience items growing. Fresh cut produce are growing. So we're, we're in great categories and we need to grow. And, and so I'm excited about that next phase of our challenge. Kind of stabilization first, create a platform that's scalable. Now let's grow. I love it. Well, I got to tell you, brother, the family of Calavos, lucky to have you. Oh, I'm lucky to be here. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm lucky it. to join this family. We've got such people. They worked their tails off before I ever got here, right? That's and they're true. working their tails off now. And, and it's, uh, it's contagious. And I'm really appreciative. I feel blessed. I've been with three really great companies in the produce industry and uh, learned from every one of them. And I'm just excited as heck about the next steps in our journey. I love it, brother. Well, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for being show number one. Thank you hey, for show number 100. Show number one, show number 100. But congratulations to you. What a great platform. I'm really excited about this. I'm excited certainly to be on a show in the future. And I hope it's before 1,000. Dude, if I'm doing this at 1,000, I don't even know. I can't even imagine. 100 is <laughs> about killing us here. You're having too much fun. Killing. How can you stop? I got to tell you, brother, no lie. No, nobody has. I'll just do a little something. This is the most fun. Doing these is some of the most fun I've had in my entire career. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've done some really cool things, met some really great people, been a part of some really some really great trajectories of companies and brands. I mean, it's been a blast. But getting to meet people, getting to talk to people, hear their stories from their heart and who they are and get to meet folks, dude, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm really love it. It's just, it's, it's, I'm blessed for being able to do it. Well, I'm penciling in show number 1,000. Already. Dude, you're done. But, Dude, but I hope it's sometime before that too. Dude, I hope it'll be before that. Believe me, you know that. You're always welcome back. I appreciate you very much. I appreciate what you're doing and, and making the time for me to hang out. And and we're gonna send we're gonna send you a birthday hat, just so you know. Awesome, perfect. Yeah, we're gonna send you a birthday hat. I love it. Thanks everybody for watching, and thanks for making us get to 100. Thanks for pushing us. Thanks for reaching out for uh, the compliments, the criticisms, the ideas, suggestions, whatever it is. We appreciate it. It's how we got here. You know, this platform is super fun. We're enjoying it. I think you are too. Check us out on social media, TLC underscore Todd Versations, where the cool kids are. That's where we hang out. I'm not there, but the cool kids are there. Um, come back and check us out. We're going to keep rocking and rolling, and uh, we're on our way to uh, 200. What's next? I don't know. I appreciate everybody. Take care. We'll see you soon. Go inspire somebody today, by the way. Don't forget that. Go inspire somebody. We'll see you, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.